again, Greece. Have you ever worked with Greece? Greece is like, it's greasy, right? And uh, have you ever worked with a grease gun? Like with a, you ever seen like a grease gun? It's got like the big whippy hose thing. Anyway, so he did it. It made it look easy and used one rag and wiped up. And then uh, when I went to do it, because I wasn't familiar with this line of work. It's the first time I ever worked that way. When I went to do it, it took me like an hour and a half and I had like grease everywhere, all over me, all over both my hands. It took me like 15 rags and he loved watching that, right? He just loved seeing me get all dirty. And I, I want to say that as I did that day after day after day, I got better and better. And then finally I used like only five rags and finally I got down to the place where I just knew how to use it and and I got cleaner and cleaner and used like one rag. Does that kind of make sense? And I eventually got to be like him. And, and I think if you're like me, typically stuff that's kind of dirty, I, I, I tend to want to get cleaner and cleaner. Jobs that are kind of messy, I want to learn how to do them in such a way that, that I actually get less dirty and get less affected by it. Now I know there's moments where we love to jump in the mud and have tons of fun, right? There's moments like that, but but to be honest, we kind of, we steer away from dirty jobs because they're, they're dirty, right? And like the last clip, the truth is that, man, as we jump in and we, we work hard, everything that we work hard at and do good at, it, it gets better. It grows. Growth is just really part of, of what we see of, of good, hard work, right? When you get really good and you really work hard at something, you should see your bank account grow. You just, you should. You should, should make more and you should see God bless that. If you work hard and, and, uh, and make a great meal, everybody in your family should get bigger and bigger, right? You know, uh, just when you work hard, it, stuff grows. It's almost, when something's good, it grows. And so that's what we're talking about. Jesus brings us this parable, and actually this week, uh, really this whole month, we'd love for you to be reading just over and over from this parable. This is the parable in Matthew 13, in Luke 8, and in Mark 4, okay? So if, if you want to include those into your, your reading diet for this month, we'd really encourage you to do so. Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8, all right? And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about. So today we're talking about getting down and dirty. Jesus uh, shares the parable that we just read, that Julie just read. And it's about soil and it's about seed. And for you and I, what we got to do is what Jesus constantly says. He says, hey, he who has ears to hear, listen. You know, when Jesus got baptized and later when Jesus was transfigured, the father says about the son, says, this is my son. Listen to him, right? Listen to him. There's tons of reasons why we don't listen. Um, some of us are, are maybe even like the people who would have been here. You know, this, this parable Jesus teaches to a crowd. This isn't at church. He's outside and there's a whole crowd of people going by. It's in the marketplace. There are businessmen, no doubt, with stuff to sell. They're on their way. When you're at work, do you stop by and listen a whole lot to things going on? No, you're at work. You're running, right? You're running from place to place. You're doing what you do. And, and so Jesus says, hey, he who has ears to hear... Listen. You're a soccer mom and you're running kids back and forth from dance to soccer, picking them up at school, grabbing that dinner to take to somebody else. You're, you're doing all of this stuff and he says, don't be too busy. Hear, he who has ears to hear, listen. But it might, might just not be busyness. 
it might be that you've heard it before and, and you don't need to listen. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever felt like you were tenured in something? You knew something so well that you didn't need to listen? Right, you already know that, right? You already know how that works. You already, you've already heard that lecture. And, and maybe you, and this might even be the temptation for this whole month for us who are Christians. And maybe you've been here long enough. You've heard the parables. And maybe you even know this parable. And, and you already know where you fit. If, it's kind of funny. Uh, if you're not a Christian and you're here and you're just exploring, Christians have this amazing tendency to hear like what Jesus says, and they know it's a parable. They know it's a story, right? And in a story, there's usually a, a good guy and there's usually a bad guy. And Christians tend to kind of think, how does this one go again? Okay, okay, that's the good guy. That's the bad guy. Okay, I'm the good guy. And now let me figure out who the bad guy is, right? Um, and we're done. I, I just want to say, church, that's not listening, you're like the tenured professor who never retrains, right? When your kids get into fourth grade and they've got the 64 and a half year old teacher who hasn't like done any rethinking in the last 22 years, right? And they do it that way. Do you know what I'm saying? As opposed to the next class who has like a young, vibrant 26 year old teacher and you so wish that, that there was somebody who, who freshly listened. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, we have a group that just got back from Passion. There's a, a college-age uh, adult conference in Atlanta, and they streamed it, but we had a crew that went from here, from Utah. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, awesome. So really, 45,000 college students from around the world uh, got together to worship and pray. They gave over $3 million to end trafficking and f- to create freedom around the world. Awesome stuff in Jesus' name. And uh, one of the illustrations that got used was about the NASCAR last year. And how old was the kid? Do you remember how old the kid was that won NASCAR last year? 20 years old. Rookie. Youngest ever NASCAR win. And you got lots of tenured guys who put in tons of years and tons of time and tons of practice And somebody fresh comes in and leaves them all in the dust. Trevor Blaine, 20 years old. And you might be, you might be the guy who is, is tenured and, and not listening. You might be the woman who's heard that story before. You're not hearing. Jesus says, everyone who has ears to hear, let him listen. There's people there who were re- re- excuse me, religious leaders. And... Um, the religious leaders, they didn't want to hear because Jesus was going a different direction than they wanted everybody to go. Jesus was talking about the love and salvation and the freedom in Christ of forgiveness of sin. And they said, no, 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 you got to work it out this way. And they didn't want to listen. In fact, the only way they listened was to learn how to prove him wrong, right? Have you ever listened to someone and you're not really listening to them, maybe even to your spouse? You're not really listening to them. You're just listening so that you have enough ammunition to, to defend against whatever it was they said, to attack them. And you're not listening. And so church, as we roll forward in this parable this month, we want to encourage you to do what Jesus said, to listen. He who has ears to hear, listen. So the question is really, as we approach this, you and I, how will we hear this parable. How will we hear from Jesus? Last week we sent you away and we said, it's really our desire that you would start this year in a posture of listening. 
to just say, God, if you're real, I, I want to hear from you. God, I know you're real. I want to hear from you. What do you want for me? So how will you hear? I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we're going to begin listening. God, that's our prayer, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, and God, that we would have the opportunity to hear from you, from your word, that you would turn the lights on, that you would illuminate truth to us. God, would you help us to listen, and not just listen just for information, not just listen just for the morning, but that we would literally hear from you, receive direction from you, and that we would live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. So this story uh, reads like this. It's a parable about a farmer who has a bag of seed. And we're actually going to read it as we go here. So if you could put it up on the screen, that would be great. And he has seed and he's sowing. Just liberally sowing seed as he goes. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering his seed, some of it fell here and some of it fell there. Some of it fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some of it fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And they did not bear grain. But when the sun came up, oh, sorry, they had no root. Did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. And it came up and it grew and produced a crop. Some 60, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times. All you people who are like OCD about cleaning are just dying right now. (laughs) You know, when people sow seed, they just literally throw it around on the soil and it lands where it lands, right? (coughs) And that's what he does. Everybody would have been familiar with this. You and I aren't very familiar with this style of planting, right? But everybody then would have been. And the sower throws it and it lands where it lands. So what you and I have to understand is why in the world Jesus tells this story. He sows seed. And the question is, is not really so much about the seed, but the question is really about where it lands. Because here's the thing. The seed isn't the soil, and the soil isn't the seed. Right? Does that make sense? A lot of times we confuse the whole process. The seed isn't the soil, and the soil isn't the seed. And the story goes on to explain that you and I are the soil. And the word of God is the seed. Why does he choose seed as the, as the illustration? Why does he say the word of God is like a seed? Just so small, right? I think there's a few reasons why he talks about the soil or the seed as the word. 
Um, But first of all, you and I are the dirt. So the story is about how God's word, his seed, grows in you and I. And the question for you and I as we read this is what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? Because the word of God comes to you and it gets planted. Literally, when the word is spoken, it falls on you like the seed falls on the ground. You come to church once a year, once a month, once a week. The word of God falls on you like seed on soil and it sits there. Take a look if you got one sitting right around you. You are not the seed. You are you're the context, you're the environment, you're the life on which the word of God falls. And so for the hearer, for the listener, it is what kind of soil am I? And again, Christian, the the typical way that you and I expect to read this is well, I'm good soil, right? I'm a Christian. And and I'm not so sure that that you want to just check that off. In fact, Jesus says later, hey, this has been given to you to understand. I'm going to explain this parable to you. In fact, he says it in verse 10, I'm going to explain this parable to you. But, but he never says, okay, guys, don't worry. You're the, you're the good soil. Don't worry about it. He doesn't say, don't worry about it. You're okay. He says, because you're close to me, I'm going to teach you this parable. I'm going to explain what it means because the disciples didn't know what it meant either. So we're the soil. And the question is, what kind of soil are we? He uses uh, this seed to say, the word of God is going to be planted into your life. So the first thing, we're the soil. God's word is the seed. There's all kinds of things that he could have used. He could have used whatever the strongest machinery is whatever of the day, whatever the strongest animal was of the day. He could have used weapons. He could have used all kinds of illustrations, but he uses this simple thing of a seed to say the word of God is like a seed. Here's the thing. A seed is powerful. It's so small that it's easily missed, right? So, so insignificant that it's easy to just, to just miss it. I mean, these things are, are small. They're easily broken. They're easily damaged. They're easily crushed. And they're easily taken for granted. A lot of times with God's word, we just, we think it looks weak. Like a seed, what can a seed do? A seed can't do that much. And it looks too simple. It looks too uncomplicated. But when you go and you plant one of these and it gets put into a place where it can grow, like this, the power of life is in this. You understand that? Like literally life comes out of this. It creates like, take your, your most favorite powerful thing. What's, maybe it's your V12, you know, and you got a car or you got an engine. You're ex- excited about your, um, about your MacBook, right? And um, you like that? Go ahead and go plant those, right? Go plant those underground. Water them really well, right? And, and see if they create. See if they create. Even use them in their perfect realm and see if they reproduce themselves. 
You see, there's, there's tools that we make that are powerful that we think are amazing, but they don't, they don't create. They don't give life and reproduce. And he said the word of God is like a seed, simple seed. And, and in the right context, it grows and reproduces and changes and brings forth life. So he talks about this, this seed and it's, it's really only released when it's buried deep and it, and it really sits there and it's buried and it comes to life. In Romans 1.16, Paul says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God to bring salvation to all who believe. And God says, my word is like a seed. And, and if it gets buried in you, if it gets deep in you, it will bring forth life. So we're going to look at that. Today, actually, we are going to look at the good soil. And the reason we're talking about the good soil first, even though it comes last in the parable, is because we want to show you what is, is possible. We want to show you what can come for you and I. We want to show you what could be what Jesus says his desired effect is. We're going to spend the next few weeks looking at the different kinds of soil, but today we're actually going to talk about the good soil. And I don't know how many of you are gardeners, uh, whether professionally or, uh, or casually or for a hobby, um, but, but good soil, good soil has a lot of... Uh, a lot of things about it I'm sure that I don't even know. But good soil has moisture. Good soil is rich and deep and dark with, with both compost in it and with, with nutrients. It's the perfect environment for a seed to grow. And what God says about you and I is he says you and I are like good dirt. We're the perfect environment for his word to grow. Let me ask you a question. Um, does, does soil grow? I, I know that sounds simple, but does soil grow? You know, it, it, it doesn't. Soil doesn't grow. God's w- word grows in us like a seed grows in soil. God's word grows in us. I was talking with a guy this week, and... We're talking pretty specifically about uh, just the way that he used to think. He's been around K2 for about a year and a half. And some of you guys came here in this same way. You just came and you're, you're trying to figure out if there's something about, there's something about God that's true. You, you know there's something about it, but could it be that Jesus is God? Could it be that, that Christ is really the one that he says he is? That it could be about more than just morals and trying to be good? And so... He was saying that, you know, like a year and a half ago, the entire way he thought is he thought all the solutions were inside him, right? He, he thought that his, his rubbish, the stuff that was wrong with him just needed to be purged away and all the answers are really inside us, that we're good at heart and, and that the answers were inside here and that he would eventually grow beyond all that stuff, right? And he spent a lot of time trying to kind of get rid of the bad and to to kind of exemplify the good. And, and what he said this week is he said, I didn't realize how arrogant that was. I didn't realize, he said when he came, that the thing that he struggled with most was that the idea that, that an answer had to be placed in him. 
he wasn't thinking exactly like we're talking right now about the seed and the soil, but he said the thing that I was most frustrated with, with, with the message of Christ, with the gospel of Jesus, was that the answer was not inside me. And, and as we approach this story, the answer is not inside the soil. The life is not inside, uh, it's not inside the dirt. It's the context for God's work to grow. It's the context for God's word to blossom and to give life. It isn't the life itself. And so Jesus says, my word is like a seed and it's planted in you and it brings forth life. So literally what he says is with the good soil is that the person who, and let's go, let's bring up, um, let's bring up verse 18, Luke, uh, sorry, Luke 8, 15. In Luke 8, 15, it says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it by persevering and by persevering produce a crop. Let me read that again. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. And so he says, this is the good soil. And, and what, what Luke says, when he says a noble and good heart, he doesn't mean that these are good people and that God's word only gets planted into good people. Um, because what God's word tells us is that none of us are good. Only Jesus says there's no one who's good, only one, only, only Jesus. And, and so the good soil is for those who are are ready to receive it. And we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks about how do we cultivate good soil in our lives. Um, But he says, when you're ready to receive it, he said, literally the seed gets planted in, in good soil to those who are ready to receive it. And literally the first thing that they do is they hear the word. You have to hear it. All of you here today are hearing a bit of the word of God. You're hearing the gospel, that God loves you, that he sent his son Jesus to live and die for you. Anyone who believes have their sin forgiven and have eternal life. And, and Jesus says when you hear the word, it has the opportunity literally to land on your soil. And, and literally when you hear it, it is, it's just that introduction into your life. And there's all kinds of ways. There's ways to leave it on the surface. There's ways to, to help it go down deep. We're going to talk about it. And, and literally the good soil accepts the seed deep into the soil. Literally buried deep into the soil so that it has all the protection from the wind and the sun and the weather and it's the exact environment for it to grow. So the first thing is hearing the word. But tell me, is hearing voluntary or involuntary? It's pretty much involuntary, isn't it? You can, be, you can be walking through here and, and hear the word and your only goal is to get out of here. You could be dragged here kicking and screaming. You could hear the word and, and you don't want to hear that at all. You can hear the word somehow more voluntarily. You can, you can read the word to yourself during the week, during the day. You can, you can read the word and bring it into your life. You can be a little bit more voluntary than that, but, but literally when you hear the word, it's pretty much just falling on your ears, whether it's from the radio or from, from here or from someone's life and they're sharing with you something that God's done in them. And largely hearing is involuntary. You can put yourself in the place where you hear the word, but still you haven't really done much. You're hearing the word. And here's the beauty 
um, with this. Again, you are simply receiving the word of God. It's God's word come to you into your life. And so what do we do? First of all, you hear it. Second of all, we persevere. So he says, they hear the word of God uh, and they retain it. They keep it. Sorry, they, they retain the word of God. And so, so literally you and I have to, almost as if we were planting a seed, we have to bring it deeper into our life. How do we bring God's word deeper into our life and our heart? Let me tell you a couple ways not to. A couple ways not to is, is to not really dwell on God's word. You and I, if we do have the chance to hear it, whether it's during the week or let's say we even read the word in the morning or at night, um, we can just let it flow by us because we, we're just going through the motions of hearing it. Maybe you just go through the motions of coming here and you hear it for a moment, but, but you don't really retain it. Um, we actually had a training yesterday for our Life Together groups. About half of those are CTC groups. They're continuing the conversation. And literally what, what that group actually, what those groups actually intentionally pursue doing is they take what they hear here and they discuss it as a group sometime during the week. They try and think about it as a process and actually roll around in their heart and in their head. What does this actually look like lived out in my life? Do you know that you can actually hear so much? You could, you could listen to 50 sermons every day all the time and you could hear so much that you actually don't listen to it. Have you ever been in that place maybe in, in college or whatever where you feel like you have so much information coming at you that you're actually not listening to any, any of it? It's like trying to drink from a, a fire hose, right? It's, it's impossible to contain all of that. And, and really retaining has less to do with knowing everything and really more bringing it home deep inside to who I am. See, in the NASCAR race that I was talking about, who really... Who really brought it home? Is it all the guys with all the experience that know everything? They, they were forgetting things before that kid was even born, right? And yet here's one who, who retained it and, and won it. Christian, there's an opportunity for you and I to, to kind of know everything and not really retain it. Well, yeah, we know that story. Yeah, and we just let it skim by us. There's an opportunity for you and I to, to know all about lots of parts of the word and actually not bring it deep into who I am. And Jesus says, when I speak my word, you've got to hear it and you've got to retain it. It's got to come deep into who you are. And then persevere. Perseverance is a word that none of us like, right? None of us like persevering. None of us like persevering um, because persevering always means that we aren't seeing the fruit yet. So persevering by definition means. Does anybody describe the harvest time as persevering? No. They describe the middle of the summer, right? When they can't see the crop and they don't know if it's going to rain enough and they're not sure if there's going to be enough sun and they're not sure if the weather's going to hold out. And then they're, it's getting close to harvest, but I'm not sure if it's going to rain too much and I'm not going to get any of the harvest, right? Persevering is in that long in-between time. Everybody's always happy when they have persevered and they're looking back, but nobody wants to persevere, Nobody wants to persevere in your study program. Nobody wants to persevere in that difficult relationship. 
Nobody wants to persevere in their workout program. Nobody wants to persevere at anything because it is by definition persevering. You're not seeing the fruit yet. Persevering is at the heart, the grunt work. It is the hard, I don't see the effect of this moment. And it's waiting through that. That's technical definition, by the way. Um, do you know what I mean, though? Persevering is hard because when that seed is buried deep in here and you've retained it and you've said, okay, God, I, I want to know what that means. And, and I go back and I water. And have you, have you ever planted anything like this? Have you ever planted anything from a seed? And it's kind of, remember when it was your first time and you planted it and you like, you read everything about how to prepare your soil, how to make your, your heart right, so to speak. Like you tried to make everything just right. And, and then you planted it and, and you watered it and you wait and you're like, okay, well, it's only the first day. It's not going to be like, I can't be anxious. Right. And then the second day you're like, huh. Like I, I watered it again, and then by a week, and I'm still not seeing anything, I'm wondering, okay, is the temperature okay? Like, maybe that seed was a dud, right? Maybe that seed doesn't really work, because I don't, I don't see it just yet. Maybe I'm watering too much. Um, maybe I need to put this more in the sun. Maybe I, and you start questioning, because you don't, you're persevering. And with you and I, we take God's word and it tells us that we need to plant God's word into our life and retain it like a seed and we need to persevere but nobody likes to persevere especially when you don't know what the fruit looks like and you're not quite sure if it's going to work or not and persevering by definition is painful and it takes a long time and he says to persevere so uh, this is a picture of some grain, some grains of wheat. And wheat grows, and uh, when you plant one kernel of wheat, it grows up and it grows one of those heads of wheat. It, it, that's what it grows. And in that head are on an average of about 50 kernels of wheat. Okay? And so when, when God's word gets planted in your life, it grows up. And, and so the plant that they would have very much known about and is very much common for that region, the wheat. In fact, there's other stories about Jesus going through the fields and breaking that stuff off and you crumble it in your hands and then you eat the, you eat the wheat. Um, that, that multiplies 50 times. And what Jesus says is he says, when, when you plant God's word in your life, you're going to see a crop of 30, 60, 100 times. You're going to see multiplication of his life in you. But you have to retain it and you have to persevere. See, some of us hear it a lot. A lot of us hear it a lot. Some of us retain it. And it's much, much harder for all of us to persevere through to see in fruit. And so just this morning, as we look at this, I want to tell you, this is the potential for your life to see God put into your life, his word, and to see him produce life in you, multiplying abundant over and beyond. Do you know what? If those 50 kernels of wheat fall back to the ground and they plant 50 more stocks that come up the next time, 
That's 2,500 kernels of wheat from one seed in two rounds. There's life and the power of life. In an acorn, there's enough power and enough life in an acorn to cover the world with trees. But that same acorn can be squashed like that in a moment. And God says, my word is like a seed. And, and if you want to see the life from it, you've got you to bring it into your life. You've got to retain it. You've got to persevere. So let's talk about some of that persevering because that's really what we're talking about. And, um, and, and these, are just, these are just a couple of things, just to be honest with you. These are just a couple of words that could come to you. And I, I just want to see, hopefully help you see a little bit what multiplying looks like because these seeds could come into your life and they could multiply greatly. You could hear the word from God that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. Didn't we just talk about that for the last six weeks? About loving our neighbors as ourselves. A love illusion because God comes in. So that, that's a word. If you were here, you heard the word of God that we're supposed to love our neighbor. Now here's what you can do. You can hear that word, right? You can hear that word and you can say, awesome. That's cool. And walk out and leave it on the path. And nothing changes in your life. I mean, it's a great idea, right? It's, it's true. I knew it before, right? I'm like the, the really mature NASCAR driver who's watching that 20-year-old kick my butt. He flies. I, I knew that before. I know those moves. I'm just not doing them. You could hear the word, love your neighbor as yourself. And you could receive it and say, God, I want to receive that freshly. How do I love my neighbor as myself? And I could drive home and, and I could pray about it for a year and not really change anything, but really mean, I, God, I really want to retain that, but I, I don't really know what that looks like. And never get around to it and, and never change. Or you could take it and you could receive it and you could persevere and say, God, use me to love others. Use me today to love others. I want to find people today to love. I want to find somebody in this service before I leave that needs my love. And you end up going out to lunch with somebody and you find out some of their needs and you start loving them. You go home and you see your neighbor and you walk over and say hi to the neighbor you've never said hi to, but you kind of meant to a thousand times. And you get to know somebody and you learn how to love them. You hear about a need and you empty your wallet and you give to the need. I don't know what this looks like in you, but I know what God wants to do is he wants you to hear that you're supposed to love your neighbor and he wants you to retain it and persevere in it and actually do something about it and actually see fruit. You're not good soil just because you're on your butt here. Does that make sense? Other words that you could hear. You could hear Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you could say, I never knew that. I want to receive it with great joy. And the gospel comes into your life and he died for me while I was opposed to him. And I believe. 
and it totally transformed me. And the life of God comes out of me. And I used to completely believe in myself and live for myself. And now I believe in him and I live for him. And, and it totally changes who I am. Could be a word uh, about keeping the marriage bed holy or fleeing sexual immorality. And this is the way sexuality kind of works for us normally. We kind of, we normally kind of say, hey, I, I'm pretty interested in you and I'm attracted to you and you're attracted to me. Kind of let's, let's trade. We'll use each other for our own lusts and we'll call it even. More often than that, the way it really works is, is I have sexual desire and you have emotional desire. Um, I'll kind of fake the emotional desire. You kind of fake the sexual desire. We'll call it even and we'll use each other. And instead, God wants you to know that he created sex as a beautiful thing for, for marriage between a man and a woman. And let that burrow down deep into your heart and come to life in you. And he brings life to you that you never even knew about. You thought it was just a a fun trade-off. And he says, man, I want to give you the best gift. And you receive the word and it brings life. And as it brings life, you tell others about it. The last one, go as you go, make disciples. He just says, man, receive that word. And, and you might hear that as I become a believer, he, God says, as I go, just tell others and, and bring others into life and obedience and walk with me. Do you know the people that typically here, right in our church, that bring the most people along with them, not only here, but into their thought process and how God is changing them, are are the people among us that are just discovering because they don't know that they aren't supposed to tell others about him. They haven't haven't heard that you take that seed, that word of God, that, that amazing life that he gives and that you don't share it with others. Could it be that you and I as Christians are too often like tenured professors who don't train anymore, like old NASCAR drivers who see people come in and they receive the word and they retain it and they start persevering and they see life and they're producing. This good crop of 30, 60, 100, it's awesome. God wants it for you and I. But just attending here, That's not it. Where's the fruit in your life and in my life? Because God wants to produce that fruit, that reproducing life of God coming in and out of you and I. And so this year, this 2012, man, it's our prayer that you would receive the word of God and that you would see him growing out of you, changing you beyond what you can even imagine and, and seeing fruit, seeing multiplying fruit in all those around you. Seeing people at work hearing about what God's doing in your life. And it just, you have courage like never before because this life is just springing up from all over and out of this little seed, out of this little insignificant word, God says, this is what I am like. And do you know that his son, Jesus, said, I am the word. And he could have come like a a strong engine or a powerful computer or a smart machine and he came as a seed that was literally buried and 
came to life and gives multiplying life to all who believe in him. Today as we close, we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to take communion together. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship. The worship band can come on up. And today, we're going to worship. And it's my prayer that you and I would want to receive the word of God and retain it and bring it down deep into our lives. That's really part of the picture that Jesus created when he, he said at his last meal with his disciples, he said, listen, we're breaking bread together. He says, I, I'm going to be broken. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, my body's going to be broken for you. I'm going to, I'm going to die for you. And when you break bread like this, I want you to remember that and I want you to eat it and I want you to do so and remember of me. And he says, when you do that, um, I want you to take the cup as well. He said, because my body is going to be broken and my blood is going to be spilled for you. And he said, whenever you do these things together, I, I want you to remember me and I want you to bring me into your life and bring me into your body and bring me into your day and freshly remember that I'm like a seed planted, died, come to life. My body broken for you. My blood spilled for you. And Paul goes on to teach us that when we do this, that we just say, God, would you forgive us? And we worship him. We thank him. We thank him for our forgiveness for our salvation and we worship him and we literally take in him freshly. These are just symbols, the bread and the wine. And today when you come up, whenever you want, we're gonna worship for a bit. And whenever you're ready, whenever you've said, God, forgive me. God, I love you. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. When you've freshly done that, I want to encourage you to take a piece of bread that's already ripped there to dip it in the juice and to say thank you. You can eat it there. You can take it back to your seat and take. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are overwhelmed at your love for us. We're overwhelmed that you came, the creator of the whole universe, the creator of all seeds, the creator of all life. You came here and you came so humbly. And you offer your word to us as a seed, something easily broken, easily stepped on, easily missed. You give us your word and you say, would you bring it into your life? And would you believe and would you persevere? God, would you help us to believe and retain and persevere in your word? God, as we do this, as we celebrate communion, as we take the bread and the cup, we, we give you thanks and we do so in the name of Jesus, whose body was broken for us, whose blood was spilled for us. In Jesus' name.